0: Starting Pitcher Preview Part 1 of 2, and then we will be done with our position previews. How about that? We're into March. We're closer and closer to opening day. Welcome everybody to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. It is Tuesday, March 6th, and Scott Heath, we have no Chris today, but Scott Heath, you know what's so cool about Fantasy Baseball? It's almost like you have two teams in one. Almost like you have two drafts in one. You got your hitters. And you got your pitchers, right? I mean, it's it's very different from the other sports in that respect. Oh, I definitely build a strategy before the draft that
1: intermingles my hit, hitter and pitcher strategy, and so I, I I could not disagree more.
0: But you have completely different stats for pitchers, you know. Like you have to draft very differently. I hear what you're saying, Adam. Thank you. Scott. I, I I agree
2: with you, but you know, team scale. This is where Heath's nips reach a new point.
0: Yeah. Still no, but you, wait, whoa. But Heath contradicted <laughs> himself. You're the no intentional positional strategy guy, but you just said you intermingle your strategies. Yeah,
1: you do not have your sarcasm meter turned on.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah. yeah I right, I'm was off today. complete and total BS. Uh,
0: well, you were a very good liar, Heath. Congratulations. Uh, Take me far in life. Our email address is fantasybaseball at Fantasy Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. Today, well, I'm not quite sure what we're going to get to, but we'll probably talk about the top 20 or so pitchers. Tomorrow will be just complete average draft position review. Let's get started with this. Let's talk about your overall strategy. I'm going to let Heath go first, yeah. uh, but we're going to turn the sarcasm off because I, no, I have no ability to detect to it today. Uh, right. What is your overall starting pitcher strategy?
1: Well, in a standard points league, what I really like to do is draft five starting pitchers to go in my lineup, and then I try to draft a starting pitcher or two to also go on my bench in <laughs> Roto. <laughs> I think the sarcasm meter. It's bro- in Roto, it I get broke. really crazy. Sometimes I'll draft six starting pitchers in a Roto league, and occasionally I may only draft three or four.
0: Yeah, well, that's actually an interesting thing, is how to, how to uh, put your roster together, your pitching roster together in categories or Roto leagues. Uh, especially if there's no designation, you need this many and of uh, starting pitchers, this many relievers. But all right, Heath. What? <laughs> like, how do you approach starting pitcher on draft day? I just told you. No, you didn't. You just said I you just fill out your roster. You. All right, told Scott, you're you. right. up. Scott, so, as much as
2: I can remember this year, uh it varies greatly format to format. So the most. It, the most exaggerated one is head to head points leagues where, and this is something I just started in the last draft, but I love the way it turned out so much. I think I'm going to keep doing it to some degree. Last, our last head to head points mock, I invested nine of my first 13 picks in starting pitchers. Now, I should point out the first three were all hitters because as we talked about, uh, as we talked about recently, you know, there's there is a clear point where there are some standout hitters and then they cease to exist. But I over I I completely overloaded it to pitching because I feel like that's the one position where there is a clear point where um they go from being good and reliable to not good and reliable and you're just choosing from a bunch of crap. So I wanted to load up on as many hot potentially high end potentially reliable arms as I could knowing that I like a lot of the late round hitters basically as much as the middle round hitters anyway so that's the most aggressive one now it gets trickier in categories leagues because obviously you need a diverse uh you need diverse contributions you're not just taking the the complete sum of what a hitter offers so there's not as much interchangeability among hitters in that format hitters or pitchers among hitters okay like you know, in categories league, you need somebody who steals bases. You need batting average help. You need some power. But in points leagues, none of that matters. You just want the, the totality of a player's contributions creates more interchangeability there. But right. Um, head-to-head lineups are obviously smaller than roto lineups, so I can still go a little more aggressively after pitching there. I would say I want, ideally, three of my first five or six picks to go to starting pitchers. It doesn't always work out that way because you know that just just the order of the picks the, the value doesn't match up right but that's the ideal in roto leagues you know maybe only like 2 of my first 5 or 6 picks are starting pitchers um because there's so many more hitter spots to fill but the, the the bottom line across all three formats is there is a investment being made early in starting pitching
0: you don't care which picks they are three of your first 6 picks like you don't care it doesn't have to be one rounds 1 3 and 5 it could be rounds 4 5 and 6
2: Well, I mean, I'm not willing to go, like, the first half of the first round, reach for one of the four super aces. If I'm picking in the second half of the first round, yeah, I want to make sure I get one of those four. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, like, I don't don't see any reason to take a starting pitcher in round two once those four are off the board. So round three becomes the earliest I'd look at. And a lot of times there are still, you know, you might find a George Springer or a a Josh Donaldson or a Corey Seager in round three. And then I'm probably still passing on a pitcher to grab one of those. Uh, so really four and five are the, the rounds I'm most looking at. And it gets tough in a rota league because Tommy Fan becomes a priority for me there. That's why I'm only aiming for two starting pitchers in those first five or six rounds. Uh, but in, in head to head leagues and especially head to head points leagues, it's easier to pass up those guys because you don't need the, the specific, you know, the batting average help and steals potential that a, uh, that a Tommy Pham or potentially a Christian Yelich, somebody like that provides?
1: There are a lot in points leagues, a lot of starting pitchers that I would take in the third round. I, I think there's a tier of them, and a couple of them are almost second-rounders for me. Madison Bumgarner, Zach Greinke, Justin Verlander, Carlos Carrasco, Luis Severino, Stephen Strasburg, Jacob DeGrom. I'm happy to get all those guys in the third.
0: And obviously you'd be happy with them as your number one pitcher if you start your team with two hitters, right? Yes, but would you be okay with them as your number two pitcher if, let's say, you take Bryce Harper in round one and Chris Sale in round two? And here you are in round three. You've got a pitcher and a hitter. Do you take the Strasburg, Bumgarner, Severino, Verlander, Grinky group? Uh, maybe I forgot someone. Um, or do you go with a hitter at that point?
1: If Bumgarner or Grinky or Verlander are there, I'm probably taking the, sec- the second pitcher.
0: I mean so that's a that's a difference right from previous years taking yes. potentially taking two pitchers with your first three picks.
1: This is only in points also in roto and especially in head to head categories. I have no interest in doing that. This is something I started talking about last year and i
2: I feel like it's just become uh you know widespread practice more this year is is that like the pitchers aren't being allowed to pitch as deep into games anymore. Um, you know, this is something we've talked about a lot through the preseason. I've I've talked about how I don't see Lance McCullers ever being like a 180 pitcher inning pitcher. The 180 inning, you know, we've last four years, we've dropped a bit, we've lost about 10 pitchers a year, guys who are throwing 180 innings. And then, you know, the, the, the few holdovers who are still throwing 200 innings, that becomes even more advantageous, especially since most of those are ones who excel at strikeout rate too. So they're, they're, winning by so much at strikeouts, and usually with great percentage stats too, that the gap between the haves and the have-nots at starting pitcher is enormous. And, yeah, there are a lot more risks attached to pitchers inherently. It's why in the past, historically, people like me have told you to avoid pitching in the early rounds. But it's just it's gotten to a point where these pitchers who were kind of grandfathered into the old way of doing things And have done it so well that they get to keep doing it. Um, like there's, it's just no, they're, they're just so far ahead of everybody else.
0: And that's what makes the top four really stand out. Kershaw, Scherzer, Sale, and Kluber is that, you know, we do expect a lot of innings from them. Although Chris Sale pitched 214 and a third innings last year. And this is the most amazing stat. We gave this out like a month ago, but in case you're new to the show, Chris Sale, 214 innings led baseball last year. Excluding 1981 and 1994, which were both strike shortened seasons, that's the fewest to lead baseball in Major League Baseball history. Uh, it, it's, it was amazing what happened. And look, maybe, maybe Scherzer would have thrown more than that. Maybe Kershaw would have thrown more than that. Even Kluber had a DL stint. But the bottom line is, the guys get hurt every year. 214 in a third inning pitch, fewest to lead baseball in baseball history, excluding a couple of strike shortened seasons. Um so yeah, that, that has changed things. Now, Bumgarner, I think, you know, if, if he didn't have the shoulder injury last year, if he didn't pitch kind of worse than what we'd expected, uh, worse than what we had been seeing from him after coming back from the shoulder injury with his lowest velocity in years, maybe he'd be part of this group too. But I just don't, you know, you can't really put him there. Uh, so we'll get into all of that. Uh, and those first four pitchers are the only ones that are going in the first two rounds. Uh, Kershaw's going seventh overall. Scherzer, 10th. Sale and Kluber going 13th and 14th overall in Fantasy Pro's ADP. And number five is Bumgarner. He's going 26th, followed just behind him by Steven Strasburg. And those are your first six pitchers off the board. Kershaw and Scherzer in round one. Sale and Kluber in round two, early round two. Bumgarner and Strasburg, 26th and 27th. Plenty of time for ADP. So so for me, you know, I have definitely changed the way I draft pitchers. I draft a lot more of them, you know, Early. And I want to be good. A lot of times I look at the mock drafts that we've done, and I look at your teams compared to mine, and I often feel like you guys have better lineups than I do, uh, but I have better pitching. And I don't know what's going to win. I don't know how it's going to play out. Could could easily be wrong. But my philosophy is, like, unless they change the baseballs, which I hope we get some clarity on during the preseason, haven't really heard spring training, haven't really heard much about it, I still expect a lot of offense this year, especially with the limited mound visits. And I feel like I'll be able to pick up hitters off waiver wires much, much more easily than I'll be able to pick up pitchers. So I do like the early investment. Um, but there's two, so okay. Well, I'll, I'll pause there and let you guys react to that. And then I'll, I'll follow it up with one final thought. So yes, I have been prioritizing pitcher a lot in any format, uh, because I think I'll be able to do better on waivers with hitters than pitchers.
2: Yeah. I, I would say you're, you're more likely to luck into a game-changing hitter
1: off waivers than you are a pitcher. Um, right. You're just also more likely to lose your early investment in pitcher in May for the season.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's definitely true. Uh, the other point I was going to make is that there are two ways to sort of prioritize pitching. Some people have been asking, and I know you guys read an email about it yesterday, do I take two of the top four Super Aces with my first two picks? Do I take, you know, Kershaw and Sale or Kluber and Sale, whatever it is? Um, you could go with a pitcher in rounds two and three. I don't know that I want to do that. I think I personally am more likely to maybe not even take a pitcher in the first two rounds because, you know, as much as we talk about the drop-off at pitcher, it also exists at hitter. In the third round, it gets much worse. Uh But maybe rounds three through six, I'm taking three starting pitchers.
2: So... Yeah, that's often the way it goes. I mean, it just depends who's there. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to pass up one of the big four if I'm picking at the back end of the first round, you know, whether it's my first pick or my second pick that I'm using it on, I'm getting one of them. Um, and you know, it, it might be, it, it, like I said, it, it might not be worth it in round three either if one of those great hitters just happens to last longer than I expect. Maybe because other people are drafting pitchers. Um, there are in my mind, at at least seventeen, well, I'll say seventeen pitchers in a points league, sixteen in a categories league, where they're either aces or they're they're near aces. They can they can at least approach that two hundred inning mark with more than a strikeout per inning and in good ratios.
0: That was gonna be um, my next question: How many pitchers are worthy of being your number one starting pitcher?
2: The one who, you know, I say seventeen for one format, or the other, the one that kind of straddles the fence there is Dallas Keuchel since he is such a, a big innings eater but not a big strikeouts guy and because he's when I say he's an innings eater I mean on a start-by-start basis there are some health concerns that might uh, leave him with a lower innings total but you're, pull back the strikeout total as well
1: are you including Mets pitchers in those 16 or 17 I am including two Mets pitchers and, and like we're talking about guys that could be 200 inning guys and have big strikeout numbers and I think it's really difficult to expect that from either one of them. But I have them ranked in my top 17. I just – I think you can put a Dallas Keuchel and a an Noah Syndergaard next to each other in the rankings knowing that that's completely different things that you're hoping for from the two of them. Uh,
2: no, I mean, I think – like, I wouldn't necessarily bet on 200 innings from Syndergaard because he hasn't done it before, but if he's healthy enough to do it, the Mets are going to let him do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, well, let's see. With Syndergaard – um what's his high like 180 something like and i
2: i'm not i don't mean to parse the details because you know he he makes an important point like you're not just penciling these guys in for 200 innings at least through 30 but last only year. i'm saying only so many pitchers are capable of throwing 200 innings and i i believe these 17 are all capable of it I,
1: you're right i i i disagree with that notion i don't think we have anything to suggest that cindergard is capable of throwing that hard and that violently 200 innings Um, I hope that he can. I think that would be great, but he's got a max of 183, and he threw 33 last year, and he's throwing 104 miles an hour or something in March. I I don't expect
0: that. All right. Well, that's that's a guy you guys really differ on. Scott's got Syndergaard tenth, and you have him fifteenth,
1: and I have him like eighth in Roto.
2: I mean, 180 innings is still pretty. Exemplary in these days, so. I, but it's I mean, not the argument we were making. He's there one one of the better guys. percentage pitchers. I think like, he's one of the best. I, there are 40 guys that go 180
0: innings. Yeah,
2: I, I think you're being kind of nitpicky, but okay.
0: Um. All right. Well, let's go. So I. So how many pitchers are worthy of being your number one starting pitcher? Scott says 16 or 17, right?
2: I. You know, I wouldn't want all of them to be my number one. Um. Like ideally, I want three of those guys. Two I could settle for in a roto league. But I think that's where the biggest drop-off is after those 17 okay. or 16. I'll All right. say 10.
0: So while well, Scott wants three of his top 17 or 16, he, you want blank of your top blank. That's not –
1: my brain doesn't work that way.
0: I think it does more than you really tend to admit. Like I think when you're drafting, that's this has to be on your mind.
1: No, I, I no, I understand that that's the way you guys look at it. That's not I, like it's not it, a drop that number for me. To be fair, I, I like understand. I
2: don't go into a draft unfolding. thinking
1: I want to get five of these guys.
2: Well, okay, look, think of it a different way. When you when the draft is over and you're looking over your roster, do you find yourself saying, "Man, I wish I had one of these, one more of these pitchers"? No. Okay. Right. All right, <laughs> well, and and I I will Just say, always it,
1: happy with your team. Th- there are drafts where I have taken two of the top four. And I'm good with that. There are drafts where I haven't taken, like, I've had drafts where Carlos Martinez was my ace. Well,
0: well I'm okay with that too. Let me bring up this draft. Uh, this is our head to head categories draft. I know your team is, did you actually draft that, Heath? That yes, team? absolutely. All uh, right. I, was I did draft say. it,
1: uh, vertically or horizontally. I was, uh, unable to, uh, oh. stay up for that draft. I, I'm
0: just gonna say, like, I don't think you can win the league with this staff, with this pitching staff.
1: Uh, I, I think, I think, especially in a head to head categories league, starting pitcher is probably overrated yeah
0: but you don't have any relievers like you have cody allen and a chapman it's not like you went rp heavy so here's
1: he you can only have two relievers in that because of the way the stupid positions were set up oh those. okay
0: All right, great but so still i think you're i think you're gonna be ter- i think you're gonna be way behind in, in starting pitching you have garrett cole lance mccullers john lester tanner roark tywan walker jordan montgomery and cole hamels garrett cole yep. mccullers lester Roark, Walker, Montgomery, Hamels. You don't look at that team and say, man, I wish I had made more of an investment in pitching? Oh,
1: no, not at all. I think that team specifically, when you're talking about in a head-to-head categories league, Garrett Cole, it would not surprise me at all if going into next year we're ranking Garrett Cole as a top 12 starting pitcher. Lance McCullers, when he's healthy, has got a very good chance of being a top 12 starting pitcher. John Lester is a pretty solid number two or number three. I, yeah, I don't have a problem with that rotation at all.
0: I feel like this is the argument I had with Chris last year. It's like, yes, best case scenario, you have a good rotation, but I don't need the best
1: case scenario from all those guys though. Give me the best case scenario from two or three of them and I'll find some other guys at the end. And I don't have to find guys for the rest of the season. I got to find guys for week 13. I got (laughs) to find guys for week 14.
0: Yeah, and, and then my pitching in that league is Max Scherzer, Noah Syndergaard, Dallas Keuchel, Rich Hill. <laughs> so very different approaches there. Right. Uh We should probably talk about our favorite, you know, uh, we, we'll we do that tomorrow. I think we'll look at teams that we've drafted and not necessarily our favorite pitching staffs, but maybe our favorite total teams and the pitching staff on those teams. Which uh, starting pitcher do you find yourself drafting often?
2: I it ends up being Robbie Ray, I guess. Um, and I could go, I could go deeper, probably, and find ones more like uh personal favorites of mine. But it just feels like Robbie Ray is often the the one of the last to go from that tier, um, you know, that second tier that runs through number sixteen, mm-hmm. and. And it's really, maybe I trust him a little more than most. Right. It, it might be changing with the humidor, but it doesn't appear to have changed yet. Um, I I just think he's like inning for inning, he's one of the top five strikeout pitchers in the game. And there were some hard contact concerns, but those have been definitely, uh, definitely
1: dampened but by the humidor. When we were talking about that tier originally, it was about the guys, the 200 inning guys. He has almost no chance. Like 170 is what you're hoping for out of Robbie Bray. He's he's left handed Lance McCullers, most likely.
2: Um Yeah, I don't I don't know. I like how many starts did he make last year? Twenty eight. Twenty-eight. So you know, give him four more starts. So he could have got to one eighty last year. Yeah. He could have yeah, just fairly. You know, if you're at one eighty, you're within striking distance of two hundred. Uh, you know, he had he had one, he had one, two, three, four, five, six starts last year of seven innings or more. That's, that's above average.
0: Yeah. And he's got, it, Robbie Ray has major home road split differences. Like just, he's just been so much better, uh, at, on the road. So the humidor helps. Like I wasn't going to draft Robbie Ray before the humidor because there are, there are some real underlying concerns. I mean, he walks so many guys. He gave right. up so much hard contact and his babip. And his strand rate. I mean, an 85% strand rate and a 267 BABIP. So I kind of felt like this guy could be a bust. But the humidor really does help.
1: I think you have to expect around a
0: 3.5 to 3.7 ERA from Robbie Ray. Scott, you, uh, you, I, I think Scott would probably think lower than that. 3.5 no, to 3.7 ERA? You no, know,
2: that's a fair expectation. Okay. But okay. Like, I, I still think... I still think because it, like it, it's kind of like another Chris Archer situation. Like right. he's probably going to have a high three zra as well, mm-hmm. but the strikeout numbers are going to be so advanced that. uh
1: But Archer throws o- 200. The innings. overall package is still close to ace-like. Heath, how about you? Who are you drafting? I would say that it's another Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher. It's the one Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher that no one wants to make any adjustment for the Humidor. It's Taiwan Walker. Okay. And it's not that I'm making a significant investment in him. His ADP is around 200 overall. Um, I, I think his ERA is probably around 3537. He won't strike as many batters out as Robbie Ray, but he's available like 15 rounds later.
0: I haven't really found the guy. I mean, I said I love Jacob DeGrom, like that was my guy, but I don't know. I might, I might back off that a little bit. Uh, I just, what I like about DeGrom is that his strikeout rate went way up last year, but he, Jose Quintana and one other player, Carlos Martinez. They had their best strikeout rates and their worst ERAs as starting pitchers last year, so don't really know what to make of that, but I, I, I really like DeGrom, I just don't know that he separates himself from like the guys that are going right around him, like Severino and, and Verlander. For me it's more about the guys I'm avoiding because I, there are so many good starting pitchers at the top, like this, this tier that Scott talks about, you know, top 16 or so. They're really, they're great players. So I I like to find the ones that I think are the riskiest and just avoid them. Uh, I have been drafting a lot of Carlos Carrasco I, I, for whatever reason. I I know he is risky, but I think he's more of a I don't think he's a performance risk. Put it that way. I don't think he's gonna have a bad yeah. year pitching. I I guess I could see him missing time and not giving you the innings, but if the innings are there, I'm not worried about performance from Carlos Carrasco. Well,
2: I mean the thing is, Adam, like this, these sixteen, you know, I'll be out. Let's leave out the top four and just talk about the group of twelve. Right? Mm-hmm. We're leaving out the top four. We're leaving out Keichel because he's more of a points league guy. And we're just talking about Granky, Verlander, Bumgarner, Severino, Strasburg, Syndergaard, Carrasco, DeGrom, Darvish, Ray, Archer, and Carlos Martinez. Like, all of those guys tend to go within a two-round span, rounds three and four. Maybe somebody like Robbie Ray will spill into round five. Um But, like, I I don't think there's... A lot of room to be choosy Because they all go so fast You know, you kind of just
0: Well, but you might get up No, so this is what I'm trying to say Okay, first of all, just, just to clarify According to Fantasy Pro's ADP Which is Roto ADP We're actually talking about more rounds We're talking basically rounds 3 to 6 The beginning of round 6 3 to 5, I'll say And okay. all I'm saying When you come up to draft You might have 5 of them in your queue And you have to decide which of these guys you like and for me, yeah. I just I eliminate the risky guys because you know, they're all good. So for me, I'm just like I'm not going to take the risky guy. Now Cindergard is interesting because yes, he's the riskiest, he's also the best probably on yeah. a per inning basis. But like I consider Chris Archer too risky because he's been he's given up 37 home runs on the road over his last 2 years. Yeah, uh,
2: particularly in a categories league, you're not going to count on him for ERA help. Yes. I think in a points league, he's actually pretty safe because you know he's going to give you the innings.
0: I kind of consider Justin Verlander risky because there is a long track record of of pitchers pitching through the World Series, having big innings totals, and struggling the next year. Um, I don't think he's that risky, but I'm going to favor DeGrom over him because there is that thing going on. In fact, it happened to DeGrom two seasons ago. Well, Uh, well,
2: you know who I think is the safest of that group, the one I ranked fifth overall because of it? Is Zach Greinke?
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm totally on board. You made the case uh, like a month ago, and I, I love it. It,
2: it. it became easier to buy the case with the humidor.
0: Yeah, right? it did. I
1: do, I do think the whole Verlander Degrom thing. Um, I don't know how safe Degrom is.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. There's definitely an argument. I consider him a little safer than Verlander, so I go with him. That's that's how he's I. Draft. Not
1: one hundred percent healthy right now. Is he? well, who of this no. group is the most is is worry free? Is completely worry free? And I don't think there Nobody. is one. Nobody. Right? I mean, I, if you are comparing, there if if the group ranges from Zach Grinky to Robbie Ray, mm-hmm. then I think you have to call guys like Grinky, Verlander, Carrasco worry free in comparison to the guys they're being tiered with. Because it's not like Robbie Ray is not in the same tier as that Grinky? Well, he is for me. I, I understand,
2: you know, there are still reasons to differentiate the value there, but... There's
1: a wide chasm between the two of them. No, I don't think it's opinion. a wide chasm. I think I understand. it's a narrow chasm. If, if last year's Robbie Ray's overperformance of all peripherals is real, then he is in this group. But I...
2: I and like I said, I have Grinky fifth, so I agree he's the most worry-free of them, but, I mean, he's <laughs> just a year removed from a four. 5430 ERA, whatever it was. And so, he's
0: probably the oldest or one of the oldest. He, he, he is the oldest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but I, I agree. I mean, he's, is...
2: Oh, Verlander's older. Sorry. All right. Bring so, so second. who are
0: you guys avoiding?
2: So my last ones from the tier are Darvish, Ray, Archer, Carlos Martinez. Those are the ones, like, if I get them as my number one, I've probably messed up. I'm probably disappointed at that point. I would re- much rather have them as number two or even more like a number three. But at the same time, that like right after they go off the board is where I see the biggest drop off at starting pitcher where, you know, you're crossing these finger your fingers, these guys throw just one eighty, much less two hundred. And uh and so I still end up drafting them a lot because it's the end of a tier and that's how the tiers work.
0: So so you don't necessarily want you said it was uh Archer, Ray, and who? Or it just it that?
2: was Archer Ray, Darvish and Carlos Martinez.
0: All right. You don't you don't want them as your number one, but you're totally cool with them as a two and maybe even a three if you go real heavy on oh, yeah. pitcher. Oh yeah. I mean,
2: Robbie Ray is my third with the upside that's presented there with, uh, with the humidor. Like, yeah. I, I think Robbie Ray could totally be in the Cy Young conversation this year.
0: And, and if, and if you have Robbie Ray as your third, then you have made a concerted effort to get starting pitcher early in the first six round, which you yep. said earlier. You're totally like, especially in a points league, you want three pitchers in your first six or seven picks. Uh, Heath, how about you? Who are you avoiding?
1: Um, I guess it's Robbie. Mean, it's Robbie Ray. I don't think he's in the same tier as those guys, so I'm not going to pay for that type of prize. I think almost everything he did last year was as unsustainable as what happened to him the year before. In fact, if you look at his FIP, it's basically identical from 2016 to 2017. Right around a 3-7 pitcher. A 3-7 ERA with 175 innings. He's going to have to strike a lot of batters out again to be anywhere close to that valuable.
0: And he'll strike out a lot of batters, but Heath, do you take Robbie Ray and take that FIP and now put a humidor in? And and since I mentioned he's been, he's been much better on the road, do you give him a better ERA?
1: I think, he, yeah, you could drop it down to, what, 3-5? I think that'd be fine. Okay. Um, I think you still have all the other same concerns about not the thing that rhymes with FIP, which is whip. And <laughs> with all those walks, it's going to be high. Yeah, And it's more difficult to pile up a bunch of wins when you generally go six innings.
0: You know what else I think is cool about this group of pitchers? If you're in a categories league or a rotos league, you can pair them to make – like like I've said this before, Robbie Ray, Dallas Keichel to me is a really good pairing. You're going to have Keuchel with his amazing ERA and whip uh, and Ray with the strikeouts, and I think that's a good pairing. And I think Darvish and Ray are kind of similar. Like Darvish and Keuchel would be a, a good one. Um you know, so you've got like between Archer, Darvish, and Ray. And that's kind of interesting. Archer, Darvish, and Ray are going in the end of that tier. And they are pr- like the three of the best strikeout pitchers in baseball. So you might not get the great ERA and whip from them, but you can pair them with another pitcher who will make up for that. And, uh, that's a cool way to attack yeah. it.
2: And it's mainly the strikeouts putting them in that tier, the, the combination of strikeouts. And certainly in the case of Darvish and Archer, innings. Uh, you know, if they weren't getting strikeouts, they'd basically be, you know, they'd probably be down where John Lester and Johnny Cueto are.
0: But Darvish, to me, like, has a real chance for ERA improvement. I don't know how you guys feel, but I just love him going to the National League. And uh, you know, he's been a a, a three like he had a two eighty three ERA in in two thousand thirteen. Um, you know, he was better before Tommy John.
2: I have the sneaking suspicion that we haven't seen the best of the, of you Darvish yet because of the timing of so many things. Tommy John's surgery, uh, when it seemed like he was becoming the preeminent strikeout pitcher in baseball. And then apparently he's had mechanical issues since coming back from that, that the Dodgers were working on after acquiring him down the stretch last season. Uh, now he's going to have a different pitching coach he's working with. So yeah, I mean, that, that bat missing ability is, probably tops in the league when he's mechanically sound and healthy. Yep. And uh it could lead to some big things, sure.
0: So I'm going to ask you for sleepers, breakouts, and busts in just a second. First, I'm going to tell you about SeatGeek, the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, concerts, sports, comedy, theater. Guess what? I am going to a game on Thursday. I haven't been to a sporting event in a while. I am going to the ACC tournament in Brooklyn to see my Miami Hurricanes probably lose to probably UNC. But that's fine. I'm going to use SeatGeek to get there. And I've already used the promo code FANTASY. That promo code FANTASY, when you download the SeatGeek app and you use that promo code, it will get you 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Again, the promo code is FANTASY. But it doesn't matter if you've already used it, because you're still getting the best prices. Because SeatGeek searches multiple ticket sites, compares prices, and gets you the best deals, grades every ticket based on value. So when I looked on the app, at the tickets, I saw the big green dots that said, these are the best values, check out these prices. And there's one for like $44 on the upper deck, so I'm probably going to be uh, getting a couple of those. And it's just like, it's a really easy app to use. You don't even, you just put all the tickets on your app and everything. It's just so simple to go to a game, just a few clicks and you're at a game, basically. So every purchase is fully guaranteed. Download the SeatGeek app. Use the promo code FANTASY, promo code FANTASY on SeatGeek. For 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Fellas, your favorite sleeper, starting pitcher. Heath, you can start. I
1: already said him as the guy that I'm drafting most often, but I'll say Taiwan Walker just because I think his ADP fits back down around 200. I have him ranked as about a 13th round pitcher. He was a mid-threes ERA last year. He still has some room for growth, but even if he doesn't reach that, he'll outperform his ADP.
0: Scott, favorite sleeper.
2: Is it too high end to say Zach Godley?
0: No, I don't think so. Because
2: that's it. He's, in, um, he's like I have a tenth round I like, of course. He's like
0: a tenth round pick right now.
2: Yeah, he yeah. has. Moved okay, up. so here's my Zach Godley take. First of all, I think there might not be a pitcher who lives up to his name more this year than Zach Godley.
0: <laughs> uh, wow, um, that's that yeah, I mean, he praise. basically did
2: last year too, with both a swinging strike rate and a ground ball rate top ten in baseball like that. You know, that along with control, like those three things are, if a pitcher's doing well there, he's a great pitcher. And Zach Godley, I mean, his walk rate's not bad, so it's not like that's a real concern. Two of those three, he's elite. One, he's fine. And I mean, the, the, I mean, you just look at the ERA whip, the strikeout rate, they're all great. The, the reason I think he didn't get enough attention is because for some reason he had a sub 500 record with a very good Diamondbacks team. And because, You know, nobody heard of him before last year. He didn't really, you know, he didn't. It's not like he had a a rotation spot from the get go. He was kind of this pitcher who emerged mid season, um, just you know, in what was supposed to be just a spot start, and he just dominated from there. Um, I I think, you know, just if before even the humidor news broke, he looked like a pitcher who to me could climb into the top twelve this year. With a starting job from the get-go, but now you throw that in, and you know even weaker contact to be expected at home from this guy who already doesn't put the ball in the air, already misses a ton of bats, and I think he's I I think even in the tenth round people are really sleeping on the potential for him. He could be, you know, a top five pitcher in the NL. All
0: right, Zach Godley and Taiwan Walker are our sleepers. Heath, who's your favorite breakout starting pitcher?
1: I'll go with Jose Barrios. Threw 185 innings last year between AAA and the majors. Think he has an excellent chance to bump that up to close to 200 this year. Would expect an ERA right around the mid-threes. I think he has a good chance to win a lot of games on a Twins team that uh, I expect to challenge the Indians for the AL Central.
0: Jose Barrios for Heath. Scott, who's your favorite breakout? I...
2: I am going to go. Oh, who was it? It Blake was Luis Castillo. Oh,
0: I thought you were going with a Blake out with Blake Snell. Uh,
2: well, that's the thing about starting pitchers. There's 80 of them, right? 80 yeah. of them then. <laughs> Probably going to be drafted into 12 team leagues. So I, I have, I have a number of sleepers and breakouts, but Luis Castillo is my favorite. Uh, what we saw from him down the stretch for the Reds last year, I think it was in 14, 15 starts, something like that. Uh, was just magical, just magical guy throws. Can hit triple digits on the radar gun. His changeup already looks like it, it may be the best swing and miss changeup in baseball from, uh, you know, a guy just breaking into the league. And he had over his minor, like he, that it was great enough just how he performed in the majors. But if you look at his minor league track record, an elite control pitcher too that didn't manifest when he reached the majors last year, in part because. If you look at his first few games, they were against some of the most dominant offenses in baseball. He he certainly held his own against them. The walks were a little on the high side, probably some nerves there, probably pitching around some tough hitters. But my point is, as good as he was last year, one of the things he's best at, which is throwing strikes consistently, he didn't even demonstrate yet. So uh, I think there's the potential. Like If we're looking for this year's Luis Severino, it may very well be Castillo.
0: Alright, Castillo, uh, went three, had a 312 ERA, 98 strikeouts, and a 1.08 whip in 89 and a third. That's amazing. Scott mentioned his first seven starts. Uh, they were against very tough opponents. Nationals, Brewers, Rockies on the road at Arizona. Nationals again, Diamondbacks, Yankees. Uh, seven of those, or six of those seven teams were in the top eight in runs scored. And then his last – and he had a 4.05 ERA. Then his last eight starts, Castillo had a 2.37 ERA, 15 walks, 53 strikeouts in 49 and a third. And I think, you know, you compare him to Luis Severino, who had a terrible second year, when it looked like he could be a breakout in 2016, and then he had an ERA over 8 as a starter. Not as a reliever, but as a starter. Uh, one thing that Severino didn't have was a third pitch, and Castillo has a slider and a changeup that he throws. So I think that that helps. Uh make him a little bit different than than the two thousand sixteen version of Severino, which was a total bust. Uh all right, so we have Jose Barrios and we have Luis Castillo. I know Scott likes Blake Snell also in this conversation. Heath, how do you feel about Blake Snell?
1: Oh, I like him a lot. I think that there's a uh there's an opportunity for him to be a top twenty starting pitcher.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm targeting Blake Snell. I want a lot of Blake Snell. Moved on the moved over on the mound, really helped with his control. Uh, thir- Last 13 starts, he had a 331 ERA, 22 walks, 68 strikeouts, 111 whip in 73 and a third. It's Blake Snell. How about a bust? Heath, you can go first. Who's a, a bust at starting pitcher?
1: I think this one's pretty easy. It's Shohei Otani. He's being drafted as the number 20 starting pitcher off the board in Roto Leagues and at the start of the seventh round. I understand if you were in a daily lineup league and you thought that maybe he could return value, I don't even think he's going to be worth that in daily leagues. I think it's highly unlikely that he's successful in his very first exposure to major league action as both a hitter and a pitcher. And it's possible he's not very good at either in this early on.
0: All right. So would you rather have uh, Barrios or Otani? Barrios. Scott, would you rather have Godley or Otani? Godley. Scott, who's your bust?
2: My bust, and sorry to do this, Heath. My bust is Jose Barrios.
0: Ah, It's Jose Barrios.
2: Jose Barrios is the one (laughs) I do not want. And here's why: Jose Barrios last year was amazing when he first got called up. He was doing some of the things he did at AAA, Uh, and it was great. And everybody was excited. It was like, oh, he finally overcame those issues he had as a rookie the year before. And look at this, 267 ERA through his first eight starts. But if you look at what happened thereafter, final 18 appearances, 17 of them starts, a 461 ERA, a lot of walks, just not very good pitching for, you know, two-thirds of the time he was up. And if you look at the underlying numbers— Jose Barrios, I mean, yeah, solid K per nine, but the swinging strike rate was below average, and it just makes me wonder which of those two versions of Barrios we saw last year was the real version. If he's not missing bats at even an average rate, I'm not sure he's ready to be a standout in fantasy, and minor league numbers are great. Top prospect, only 23 years old. There's a chance he takes a step forward this year, and this prediction looks silly, but you know, just based on what I saw last year, I'm not willing to invest in Barrios. What everybody else seems to be, I think there are similar upside pitchers who have had more encouraging results avail- available at the same point or later.
0: Barrios is going, yeah, you know, somewhat early. He's going in round nine, hundred and second overall, in between Jake Arietta and Alex Wood. So it's is the twenty fourth pitcher off the board. Barrios is twenty fifth, although Barrios is. Almost a full round behind Arietta and then Alex Wood is twenty six. So he's Which, third, by the he was,
2: way, I'm not I'm not beyond calling Jake Arietta a bust at this point.
0: Even there, even ninety something overall. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I was willing to give him a pass for last year's drop in strikeout rate because he made some adjustments in the second half, got more ground balls. The ERA was really low, probably too low to be true, but whatever but now we're you know we're about a third of the way through spring training and he still doesn't have a team what kind of yeah what kind of work is it going to take to get him up to to starting in games again and then you have that that uh diminished skill concern on top of it yeah i don't i'm not uh, i'm skipping over Jake Arrieta in a lot of drafts
0: i'm finding oh uh, you know who i'm skipping over and actually i want to get Heath to respond to the Barrios comments uh what what Scott doesn't like about Barrios but i am skipping over David Price I just, oh, man, I just can't see how he stays healthy. He, he was supposed to get Tommy John surgery last season. He would have gotten it if he had uh, been younger, but they decided at his age not to have it. And he goes, I mean, it's Arietta Barrios, Alex Wood, and then it's David Price. And that's actually a little, now we're talking like round 10.
2: Wait, you say he would have had, so they, he had a torn ligament in his elbow? I don't, because I don't remember reading Yeah, it. it was
0: partially torn. And they said that, you know, the doctors would have recommended Tommy John for him if not for if not for his age. So okay. I can double yeah, check on that. I mean that. I was
2: I was I don't think I had drafted him yet because I had some of the same fears you do, just I didn't I didn't have those specifics to accompany it.
0: Well I, I, I could be wrong. Let's we'll double check on that. But uh but yeah still I don't trust him to stay healthy. And you look at his ERA just as a starting pitcher the last two years. You take away the relief work he did uh you know he had a three eighty two ERA as a starter and in 2016, he had a 399 ERA as a starter. He's not young. He's 32. He had a lot of, a lot of mileage. Yeah, I'm not, like, I could, I think David Price could be great for a short period of time. I don't think he's going to return ninth round value for you. But that is a little bit later, actually, than when I've been seeing him go, I feel, in our drafts. Ninth round's much more tempting. But, like, seventh round? No way. On David Price. Uh, Heath, you want to respond to, uh, Scott's Concerns about Barrios. Yeah, it's kind of like when we were
1: talking about with Dallas Keuchel and the high strikeout pitchers and how guys may be in the same range but they're completely different pitchers. I'm not really sure there's much difference between Robbie Ray and Jose Barrios. Barrios last year between AAA and the majors threw more innings than Ray has ever thrown in his major league career. His whip would have been the second best of Ray's career. His FIP was 384, which was a tenth of a point higher than Robbie Ray's last year. So, yeah, I – I think Robbie Ray and Jose Brios have a lot of similarities in terms of value. But what about the K per nine, the swinging strike rate? I mean, K per nine and and swinging strike rate are two things in Ray's favor. I would expect more innings from Brios. I expect a lower whip from Brios.
0: Okay. Uh, With that said, well, I don't want to get too far into ADP since we'll do it tomorrow. So I'm going to give you guys some stats and you tell me what they mean to you. Uh, I also want to tell you all about HQ. I've been watching a lot of HQ. It's my morning routine now. Uh, just put on my uh, CBS Sports app, my CBS Sports HQ on my Roku. You can get it on Apple TV or Amazon Fire, on your phone, on other connected devices, on CBSSportsHQ.com. Uh, yeah, it's just it's great. It's a highlight show. It tells you what's going on in the sports world. It's a new way to get the latest scores, news, and highlights. On all your favorite sports, it's CBS Sports HQ, 24-7 streaming sports information channel, always on. And it's free. It is completely free. You can stream it anytime on our app, um, on like I said, Apple TV, Roku, your phone, or other connected devices. Uh, if you just want to check it out before downloading it, HQ.com. But I, I'm really enjoying it. They've had great coverage of the NFL Combine. We have a lot of really great experts, former NFL players, former NBA players. Um, we have great college basketball coverage. Uh, we have one of our college basketball guys talking about Cincinnati, and I think I'm gonna maybe take Cincinnati to go kind of far in my in my bracket. So thank you HQ for that. We'll see if that uh, works out. But check it out, CBS Sports HQ. I think any sports fan will really like it. All right, some uh, some starting pitching stats. Clayton Kershaw pitched 15 and two thirds innings in the World Series. Pitched on two days rest in Game Seven and threw 43 pitches. Are you concerned about that as you look at Kershaw? Uh, Going into 2018.
2: I mean, the reason, the biggest reason I think that Kershaw is no longer in a tier to himself, and we talk about the Super Four instead of just Kershaw and whoever follows, is because, yeah, uh, not necessarily, I I don't know that it's necessarily the postseason innings that concern me, but just innings in general for Kershaw, like he, three of the last four years, he's missed time with the same back issue. So you kind of just have to factor that into the projections at this point. And, um, the inning for inning, he's still the best pitcher in baseball, still has an advantage over those other three. But if you give the other three the innings advantage,
0: they're about the same. Okay. Uh, this one, this stat, Luis Severino inning pitch last three seasons, 161 and two thirds, 151 and one third, 209 and a third, nearly fifth, no, more than, fifth, excuse me, nearly 60 innings more. In 2017, when you include the postseason. Then 2016, Heath, does that concern you with Severino?
1: Yeah, I think it adds to the, wow, he did something he's never done before last year. Because it wasn't just the innings, but the strikeouts were at a level that he'd never done before. The walks were at a level. He had a breakout. And it was a breakout that was way, way outside of what we'd seen in the limited action in the couple years before. And the innings were also way outside of that as well. So it definitely... It adds maybe just a tiny bit of injury risk and there's certainly some regression risk in like seven different areas.
0: Yeah. I think when you look at what made Severino break out, in my opinion, it was the addition of a changeup and a very good changeup. And he just, he was a two pitch pitcher before that. Right handed two pitch pitchers, they have a tough times surviving. So that's something to keep an eye on in spring training. When we see guys who are working on a new pitch who are developing a new pitch, it can really, uh, it can really take them to a new level. So, you know, put it on the back burner. Uh, Justin Verlander threw two hundred and forty-two and two-thirds innings, including the postseason. The guy that that scares me a little bit when I think of Verlander is Waynewright. Well, all those guys, but Wainwright, but I think Wainwright had like a 270 inning inclu- uh season, including the postseason in their World Series run. So at least it wasn't that high. But we're starting to get a lot of mileage on the arm of Justin Verlander. He's looked great so far in spring training. Here we are on March sixth. Uh, but does that concern you, the uh, the innings slash World Series hangover for Verlander? I mean, I'd
2: be lying if it said it didn't mean nothing to me, but. Don't lie then. Like, Tell the truth, Scott. Well, I mean, just Justin Verlander's pitched <laughs> deep into the postseason before, and, you know, he's made it to 35 with heavy innings totals over and over again. He still throws high 90s. Like, at some point, it's going to end for Justin Verlander. I don't know that this is. I don't know there's a reasonable to assume it'll be this year
1: because of this, you know?
0: Heath is Verlander to seem like the kind of guy who is a physical freak, defies conventional wisdom.
1: Yeah, it's, I'm basically just viewing him as a badass. that The normal limitations do not apply to him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, next stat. I mentioned this one earlier. What do you guys think? Jacob deGrom. Oh, no, I didn't. All right, I'm going out of order. That's fine. Jacob deGrom, Jose Quintana, and Carlos Martinez had their best strikeout rates, but their worst ERAs as starting pitchers. DeGrom, Quintana, and Martinez, bunch of strikeouts, higher ERAs.
1: Yeah, Quintana in particular I think is a a very nice regression candidate, and he's been a guy for his entire career that, well, he should win more games than that. He should win more games than that. He still just won 11-11 and last year, 7-3 and three with the Cubs. I think he does win more games this year. I believe there's his ERA will be back under 4, probably in the mid-3s range like so many other starting pitchers. Uh For Cantania in particular, it matters.
2: I would guess all three of these have their highest ever home run rates, too. I'm trying to confirm them one by one. I know DeGrom certainly yeah, did. Yeah, he did. Like, they're kind of just following the league-wide trend then, right? More strikeouts, more home runs, which, of course, would raise the ERA.
0: But the, you know what I liked about DeGrom? I'm pretty sure he had the, the home runs went up, but the fly balls really didn't, and neither did the hard contact. So that kind of felt like bad luck to me.
2: To a degree. But, I mean, if home runs are up, every pitcher is going to be affected to some extent. Now, it was a big jump for DeGrom last year. His previous high was .9 per nine, and last year it was 1.3. Maybe it drops to 1.1 this year. Uh, But, yeah, I don't know that I'm just going to assume he'll go back to a sub-3 ERA either.
0: That's that about Archer. Thirty-seven home runs on the road over his last two seasons. Because Archer had been a three thirty-ish ERA guy three years in a row. He was like Jose Quintana. I mean, he was the most predictable ERA. And then the last two seasons, it's been very high. He's given. He's been terrible on the road. And what I really don't like is that he's been terrible against his division the last two seasons. Particularly, he's been good against Toronto, but the other three teams, he's been bad. I, I you know, Archer scares me because of. I, I think the Yankees and Red Sox are going to be so good offensively. Um, it's a little scary now. I looked at his schedule, and it, the last month is not a lot of Yankees or Red Sox. That's a good thing. The last month's kind of favorable, but getting there could be tough. I don't know if you guys care about that, but I, I we don't really talk about it that much. It's another reason why I like Carlos Carrasco. I think the AL Central sucks. When you take away Cleveland, doesn't have to face Cleveland. Like he's going to have a lot of, he's going to have much easier matchups than a guy like Chris Archer. You know what I mean? Even a guy like DeGrom, Carrasco's probably going to have easier matchups.
1: You've convinced me to drop Archer a little bit in that tier.
0: Cool. All right. <laughs> Good stuff.
1: Like, yeah. I mean, I how he goes
2: about having, like, it's it's been several years in a row now where Archer's had a high ERA, and you look at his hip and his like, why is his ERA so high? And maybe it has something to do with the strength of the opponent. You know, for a while, the Blue Jays had one of those dominant lineups um, you know, the Yankees were, it was, of course, a dominant lineup last year, and now they're adding Stanton. The Red Sox lineup's always good. The Orioles lineup's been dominant for parts of that stretch. So, uh, yeah, Archers had a tough go of it there, and maybe that helps explain why the ERA's always on the high side. I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's like going to be worse than that suddenly this year. And the no, thing is, no. the strikeouts are so good that you still start him when he's facing those teams anyway, so it's not like it's limiting your starter, starting possibilities for Archer because of those tough matchups.
0: I don't think it's going to be worse, but 407 in 2017 and in 2016, what was his ERA? It was close to that, right? It was... 402. Yeah. 402. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, I mean, it's, he's pretty limited. Last and, year, and Archer was, sorry, uh, number 17 in points, number 27 in roto.
1: And unlike, like, Jose Quintana, we, I, we thought he should win more games when he was on the White Sox, but it kind of made sense because he was on a bad team. Archer's still going to be on a bad team, so the wins probably won't be there.
0: If he gets traded, it could help. Yeah, um,
2: definitely rooting for him to get traded, unless I play in an AL only league because, you know.
0: Now let's go to Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keiko has had a sub-3 ERA in three of his last four seasons. I, I forgot about that. I forgot about four seasons ago he had a sub-3 RA, 3 ERA. Uh, what do you think about that, Heath?
1: Yeah, I you know I'm not a huge Dallas Keuchel fan. I think I do have him maybe higher in points than most do because I do feel pretty confident in the wins. I feel pretty confident in the innings. Um, I his ERA could be anywhere between two nine and four one, and I wouldn't be all that surprised.
0: It, he just he's always hurt. I mean, when he's healthy, he's awesome. But apparently, he pitched through a foot injury the second half of last season and struggled. Um, I
1: want, I wonder with guys like that, though, because it's not like he's, like, when you say he's always hurt, he, he threw 145 innings last year, 168 the year before, he was two hundred and two thirty two when 232. When we hear a lot of times about guys that are always playing through things, I wonder if they just talk about things that hurt more than others do.
0: Maybe, but he has played through injury each of the last two seasons.
2: A point I want to bring up about Keichel, and it, it kind of applies to Kershaw, too, but let's just focus on Keichel. If you want to take the average of his last two years and say and give him a ceiling of say 160 innings, the way he goes about getting those 160 innings is very different from the way, uh, you know somebody like
0: Kyle Hendricks.
2: Yeah, Kyle Hendricks would go get those 160 innings. Where Keuchel, you know, just reading off the way he started last year: seven innings, seven innings, seven innings, seven innings, nine innings, seven and two thirds, eight innings. Like he is pitching he is he is going deeper into games than you normally see which improves his win potential first of all in points leagues it it means more points from the innings themselves um it means more strikeouts because you know we focus a lot on the rate of course yeah. but ultimately the rate only matters to the extent that it's applied over over innings so um like that's a big deal cuz when if he does have another DL stint like he's had the last 2 years you're still getting production from that spot. You're just getting it from a different pitcher. So you're getting it. While Keuchel's in, you're getting ace production. And while he's out, you're having to settle for something less than ace-like. But it's not like you're getting nothing. It's not like you're getting 160 total innings from that pitcher spot like you would if you were doing Hendricks and he was pitching five to six innings every start.
0: Yeah, Uh and... I think we can include it there. I was going to add something, but I've completely forgotten it. So, um, oh, Steven Strasburg. After the All-Star break, Steven Strasburg had a .86 ERA. Uh, he went all, all Jake Arietta on us.
2: This is Heath. Heath can get on his soapbox now because this is like pitching coach, coach Heath. could have Could have been – who made Strasburg what he became last year?
1: He stopped using the windup, which is just basically a made-up thing that pitchers are only more comfortable with because they're made to do it when they're kids. And everybody mm-hmm. should just pitch out of the stretch, and Alex Witt is going to pitch out of the stretch this year, and I moved him up because of that. Strasburg, though, along with Noah Sendergaard, is one of those pitchers that's not being drafted anywhere close to the Big Four but could absolutely be one of the Big Four this year.
0: I was a little surprised that Strasburg's ADP is, is sixth. Uh, he, he, it was higher than I thought. He's going like middle of the third round. You're right; he's not going anywhere near the big four because they're going in the top 14 picks. Right, but he's going ahead of everyone else other than Bumgarner. Scott I
1: can't Ford. argue with that. Um, because this is Roto ADP, and when he's just much like Cindergard, I expect those two. For the innings that they pitched, they're going to be amongst the best in baseball.
0: But the funny thing is, like, he had never done this before, Strasburg. He had kind of teased us. I think this was his first sub-three ERA in, like, a, you know, other than pitching, like, 60 innings or something like that as a rookie. Um, Well, he he had an exactly three ERA one year? Yeah, yeah. It's usually low threes. But it's kind of like Carlos Martinez. Like, we all see the potential, and and Strasburg's better. But, you know, we all saw the ERA and saw the, the, the potential and the stuff of Steven Strasburg. And like nobody's surprised that he had his best ERA. You know, right. Nobody's looking at that like, oh, well, he's not this good. He is freaking awesome.
1: Like in 2014, he had a 3.14 ERA, but he threw 215 innings. He was probably a top four or five pitcher then.
0: Last stat, and we will end the show on this: Masahiro Tanaka had the third highest swinging strike rate among qualified starting pitchers. The top six in swinging strike rate: Corey Kluber, Max Scherzer, Tanaka, Chris Sale, Robbie Ray, and Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. But does that uh, get you excited about Tanaka in 2018?
1: There's no way. He'll, he's going to have a bounce back year, yes. I, I am excited about Tanaka. He's one of the most likely regression candidates in baseball.
0: Good regression. Posit- good positive, positive regression, if you'd like to call it that. <laughs> if you
1: like to call it that.
2: He doesn't like to call it that. It's just regression. It is just regression. But you have to know what not he's wrong.
0: regressing to to know if it's positive or negative.
2: That's true. That, that is true. That's a fair point. But yeah. he was bad last year, so it's pretty easy to get. He was, he was bad two of the last three years, right? Yeah,
1: he but had he's had home run,
0: he has had home run issues two of the last three years. That's true.
1: He had a three, yeah. five, one ERA two years ago. So I, he is, he is an enigma to me because I
2: feel like he should be better than he is. And maybe, maybe it will just play out as regression. Like he, he hopes this year. Um, I'm not, I'm not as, Faithful, I guess I don't worship at the altar of regression as uh, as committedly as Heath does, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I, Tanaka is uh, outside of my top twenty for sure, barely inside my top twenty-five.
0: Well, I think that's pretty consistent with ADP. Tanaka is twenty-third in ADP. There you go.
1: Yeah, I'm twenty-second. So <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I think it's people are going to debate the upside of yeah. Tanaka.
1: I think the upside is probably top 12.
0: All right, guys, uh, that is it for this edition. We talked about the top 20, basically. We'll go through ADP and uh, our favorite, you know, pitching staffs that we've drafted so far tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. For Scott, for Heath, I am Adam. We'll get Chris back tomorrow. Have a great day. Talk to you Wednesday.